Welcome to the Moderne India podcast. My name is Irina Sander. I'm the founder of the NGO, The Moderne India, and I'm also the author of the textbook, The Moderne India, which is written in Norwegian. The topic for today's podcast episode is Indo-Norway Partnership, co-creating the energy transition. The Standing Committee on Energy and Environment of the Norwegian Parliament visited India last week. Our guest today is Nikolai Astrup. Nikolai is member of the Norwegian Parliament. He is a Norwegian politician representing the Conservative Party. He is part of the Standing Committee on Energy and Environment of the Norwegian Parliament. Astrup is also the first person to hold the post as the Minister of International Development in six years. Welcome to the Moderne India podcast, Nikolai. Thank you. India is rapidly undergoing sustainable green transformation. Norway are the leader in the whole of Europe in terms of renewable energy. Ties between Norway and India have deep historical roots. We all know that development in India will have a significant impact on how successful the world is in achieving the sustainable development goals and the global climate targets. So, I am super excited, and I'm sure our listeners are as well, to hear what Nikolai has to share, given that he just returned from India. It's really nice to have you here, Nikolai. I was a little bit worried. Maybe he's jet-lagged. I hope he doesn't cancel last minute. <laughs> um, and I would like to start with the following question, Nikolai. Why? Uh, why does uh, why is there a delegation from the Parliament of Norway? Why do they choose to go to India? Well, actually, uh, this was our first trip outside Europe after the pandemic, and uh, we chose India. And the reason is, I think, quite clear. India is um, a very important country, and its importance is going to grow in the years to come. Um, it's important when it comes to the energy transition. For sure, but also when it comes to when it comes to sustainability. So, if India fails on the sustainable development goals, uh, the, whole, the world will fail, basically. And um, uh, India it has now 1.4 billion people, has surpassed China as the most populated country in the world. It's a country with a lot of challenges, but also a great many opportunities. How exciting that you choose India as the first country outside of Europe after Corona. And I think you're right that uh, what India does has an effect of the whole world. Actually, somebody from the UN system told me, you know what, Rina, if India says no to something, the whole logistics just gets messed up in the UN system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited. You had just returned from India. Can you share some of the highlights of the trip? Who did you meet and what were your expectations? Were your expectations met? Mm. Mm. Well, uh, we met a lot of people, uh, companies, organizations, institutions. We visited the Indian Parliament in uh, Delhi and uh, uh, we uh, yeah, visited the, the Polar Institute in Goa, uh, which was fascinating, of course, for Norwegians to find a Polar Institute uh, with a research base in Svalbard, uh, but but then based in in, in Goa, uh, and um, we went to see, uh, I would say, a first-class waste treatment plant in Goa as well. Uh, we had uh, visits to. We also had a formal visit with the new metro in Delhi, 
uh, and uh, looked at how they use solar power on the top of their buildings to uh, offset uh, emissions, but also, of course, uh, to create energy. So it was um, a fruitful um, visit, I think, and we, we ended the visit with in Mumbai uh, with cleaning some beaches with uh, Afros Shah and his foundation, a uh, truly inspirational uh, man, and yes, um, what he has done, and uh, not least uh, all that he's doing to create more awareness among people, especially among the poor, uh, about how you can reduce your waste and how you can live more sustainable. Um, and uh, we know how much uh, waste that goes into the ocean every year. Uh, and the ocean knows no borders. So this is a global problem. And we definitely need India on board if we're going to solve it. Wow, so you had quite um, a variety of items on your program. I mean, first Delhi, then Goa, and then also Mumbai. And uh, yeah, both visiting the parliament, visiting the Polar Institute, uh, and then also the fact that you visited the metro in Delhi, uh, because uh, mobility is an important part of reducing uh, the pollution. Mm. It's part of the solution. Uh, a, there is a, is a huge problem with the air pollution. And you don't really realize how big it is until you step off the plane. Uh, I've been to India a couple of times before, and it struck me uh, all the times I've been there that the air pollution is a huge, huge issue. Uh, and, but I was very happy to see that while we were there, we also participated on the launch of a new partnership uh, between a company, Indian company and Norfund, um, where they are investing a lot of money in a new waste-to-energy plant outside of Delhi, uh, where they will receive paddy from farmers across uh, that region that will be burnt and used to produce energy instead of being burnt in the fields. And that's good uh, for many things. It will reduce emissions by a lot, uh, but it will also reduce air pollution by a lot, uh, because this is a huge problem in the autumn around Delhi, that all the farmers, they burn off their paddy instead of harvesting it and collecting it and using it for something useful. And of course, it will uh, produce more electricity. And I think it's a great example of how Indian-Norwegian cooperation can work. Uh, we know that uh, the whole energy transition in India is going to require a lot of capital. Uh, Norway, uh, through Norfund and other uh, institutions that we have, we can provide uh, capital that can alleviate risk and uh, hopefully we'll also generate returns on that capital that can be reinvested in similar sustainability projects. Yeah, and that's, you just touched up on another question I have for you, that while India is still facing a period of strong growth, uh, it will require growth in um, energy use per capita, as we were discussing. And Nordfund just uh, allocated or went into a partnership, as you mentioned. And you must have discussed during the trip, what else can Norwegian companies contribute to in this context and I also would like to ask you were you part of planning the whole Norfund, uh, the new d development fund? Um, yes. Uh, when oh, when did it start? How long back did you start planning such a huge well, were you affected by COP26 or tell us a little bit more about well, the whole investment fund. Norfund is, is, is Norway's uh, investment, development investment uh, uh, institution and um, 
It's been there for years. So it's 25 years uh, today. I was not part of making it, uh, but we also launched a new uh, climate investment fund, and that was launched during the previous government. Uh, and that is, I think, um, an additional tool uh, to make investments in middle-income middle countries like India, um, like the one that was launched when we were there, a, a reality. So um, the aim is to invest $1 billion within the next five years in different projects. And so far, several projects in India has been chosen uh, as eligible for, for that uh, mechanism. So that that's a great start. But of course, we know that for India to uh, to uh, go through with their transition, we have to go from billions to trillions. It needs uh, money on a whole different scale. That money needs to come from private companies across uh, the world. And I want to use this opportunity to highlight um, exactly that, the opportunity that lies in investing in India. This is a market of 1.4 billion people. It is a country, although they have um, 400 of the poorest billion on earth live in India, but they also have a growing middle class. Uh, they have an ever-increasing need for energy, and there's going to be ample business opportunities for those who are willing to engage with India over time. Uh, so so uh, lots of opportunities. And um, we see also Indian companies, of course, uh, really doing their bit. We had a meeting with uh, Reliance Industries and they said they're going to invest about $10 billion in solar, hydrogen and uh, fuel cells in the next few years. Uh, so it says something about the scale of the investments. Definitely it's something about scale. Now let's just take a step back, uh, Nikolai. Um, we are concerned about having enough energy for everyone and another concern is also to have acceptable price. Uh, that's some of the goals for the energy policy. While climate and sustainability stand on the other side. When you were in India, did you see any differences in approach to these issues between Norway and India, given what you already have mentioned, size of population, uh, scale, uh, scaling abilities? Would you like to add something mm -hmm. more? Well, I think that's the clue with India, because you have uh, such vast opportunity to scale things, and that will bring costs down. So there was a lot of talk about hydrogen uh, in India, and of course that's not an energy source, it's an energy carrier. Uh, but it's an energy carrier which will be necessary for the transition, and especially in the hard-to-abate sectors. Uh, and um, in, in Norway, I mean, this is, this is expensive. Uh, we have a carbon market which is going to help make it more profitable to invest in these kind of projects, and you don't have that in India. But what you do have is the opportunity to scale it, uh, which means that cost will come down. So, so that, that's, that's probably the most important thing. But then you have solar, uh, and of course you've had a, already a very impressive growth in solar energy in India. Yes, yes. In the last 10 years, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And uh, right now, uh, renewable energy account for about 40% in the uh, Indian energy mix, which is impressive. But of course, the targets are a lot higher. So we're going to see uh, a massive expansion in solar. Uh, and uh, then 
India is also very much concerned that they they can't be reliant to in to too much a degree on other countries. So scaling up domestic production of solar energy is probably going to be a priority for the Indian government in the, in the coming years. Yes, because India will be uh, in 2050 uh, among the top three uh, largest economies in the world. It will also be the largest democracy mm. still in the world. Uh, and, uh, and I just would like to continue to elaborate, as you're doing now, how can Indian future leaders, you probably met some of them where you were in India, in all fields, take advantage of what Norway has to offer? Yes, India is doing extremely well in solar, but we also have had the company Norsk Hydro, who has more than 100 years of history and competence and technology that probably would be in demand in India. Did you discuss such kind of, uh, what is it that like, can, there's so much for Norway also to exchange when it comes to competence and knowledge? Please elaborate, Nikolai. For sure, and we, we had meetings with Arca Solutions while we were in, in uh, Mumbai, and also with Equinor uh, and uh, Tomra, uh, all present in India, uh, have been for quite some time. Uh, Arca Solutions has about 2,000 people working in their Indian offices. Uh, and um, I think we have a lot to... to um, to gain from cooperating with each other. Uh, we have a technolo technological base, which is uh, in the energy sector, which is probably unprecedented, at least in the oil and gas sector, but also in renewables. Um, and uh, uh, India has a young, um, highly educated uh, um, population with a lot of engineers uh, who uh, are keen to make a difference and uh, to work with these new technologies. So I think it's, it's a perfect fit in many ways. But what, it, what Norwegian companies need to understand, I think, is that you need to be in India. You need to have a presence in India. And you need to work with Indian partners. And you need to learn Indian culture. Uh, because India is not a market that you just enter into and then um, you fly in and fly out and you expect everything to turn out. This is a different culture. Now, I'm obviously not from India. And my knowledge about India is not, you know, the greatest. But that's one thing I took away from my trip now. Is that you need to you need to understand the culture in order yes. to succeed in business in India. And it's true because I mean, when I'm saying you were young, the reason why I'm saying it is because India has one of the largest youngest population in the world. Mm. Um, Six hundred million Indians are below the age of twenty-five. Which makes me old, by the way. Yeah, but still in the in the landscape of uh, international uh, corporation, I think you're young. <laughs> I think to be an ambassador, you have to be fifty-five plus or something. <laughs> so you are you are very young. Uh, yeah, and that brings me back to the scaling and the population. Uh, Norway has a population of five point five million, and India one point four billion. Did you discuss um, that? Uh, how do you think? Population affects the solutions India choose mm. and the solutions Norway chooses. Mm. Well, I mean, um, I think um, size matters, but it also gives an opportunity. There's an opportunity in size that you can, because you can scale things in a different way, uh, it, I think it, it makes it easier to, to, um, to uh, make sure that the solutions that you choose are economically sustainable as well as environmentally sustainable. 
Uh, that being said, of course, I mean, India is, is has a lot of challenges as well. Uh, for instance, waste management is non-existent in many places, and uh, that's a huge problem, and it's a problem for the planet as well, not only for India. Uh, air pollution needs to be tackled, uh, because if you're going to attract, you know, foreigners to come and live and work and invest in India, uh, you don't want to bring your family to a place where air pollution is that high. And this is a problem for many Indians as well. So I think people are going to, going to demand it. So more needs to be done politically to solve some of these basic issues. Clean water, waste management, clean air. When you visited the Parliament of India mm. and interacted with the members of the Parliament of India, uh, how did you see the commitment, because we are a small country, mm. uh, so in one way it's easier to move, I mean, especially Norway has been amazing when it comes to policies. For instance, when it comes to mobility and cars, mm. EVs, you know, mm. we are world leaders. And that's probably easy because we are a small country, we are a very transparent country, we are a democracy, while India is a huge continent mm. with states. When you met the parliament members, uh, how did you feel like because Norway have some super fine advantages uh, in many ways we are leading in many fields when it comes to technology but then you are sitting there with a parliament that represents members of parliament that represent 1.6 billion 4 billion and so many states yeah. did you you and the committee while you were driving there or going back because the size is so different i mean Norway is just a corner in Mumbai, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> One part of Did you ever think, like, how did you, when you meet uh, members of parliaments, like in India, um, I guess one also has to be a little bit humble because the challenges probably are so different. Mm -hmm. And the way they will implement policies will probably be uh, a rougher path mm -hmm. than maybe you have been sitting in, the, in Anna's mm -hmm. ministry. Did you discuss this also off the record with the other committee members? And how was it to discuss these topics with the members of the parliament, of the Indian parliament? Well, I think, um, uh, I mean, there are some huge challenges that they have to face and they are well aware, they're well aware of what they are facing as well. But then, you know, um, the Indian parliament consists of many parties, like the Norwegian parliament, and there are different takes on uh, what the future may bring and how to get there, depending on your political affiliations and and, uh, and your views. So so it depends on who you ask. And I think that was my impression from talking to many different stakeholders in India, that we got uh, different messages from different people on the same topic. topic. So, for instance, on hydrogen, uh, in Delhi, we were told it was a distant star, something that may happen in the future. Then you talk to other people and they're saying this is happening now, it's happening fast and you have to jump on the train otherwise it's gonna you're gonna miss it so uh, it was mixed messaging and also among politicians maybe and you are quite right we have a very different uh, outset and of course it's much easier to convert to electric vehicle vehicles in a country where most people can charge at home rather than in a country where you know in Mumbai 60% lives in the, in the slums and they they, they haven't I mean, the electricity they have, they have basically stolen. So it, it is, there's some uh, fundamentals that needs to be addressed on infrastructure in order to make the trans transition work on an Indian scale.
so to speak. Yeah. Okay, and then I would like to still stay a little bit, uh, have the focus on Norway. Let's move back to Norway. The common image still in Norway, and it's very sad, uh, is that it is a country of snake charmers, poor people, cows roaming around in the street, and ultra-religious people, and uh, widows getting burnt. Some people still have that image um, and believe that that is uh, India. What do you think we need to do in Norway to change that perception of India and Indians? Because as mm. you said, you have been there. The growth is so happening so fast. Mm. And within hydrogen, people are already saying, oh, this is happening now. Mm. Uh, and also probably techno uh, collaboration between Norwegian companies and Indian companies. You know, they have a totally different view. Mm. Those companies who work with India, for instance, Telenor said, before we entered India, we always thought we, that we were the best. And once we started collaborating with India, we actually moved all our innovation uh, mm. core team to India because yeah. they were better. So what do you think? How can we, uh, Norway, change our perceptions of India and mm. Indians? Well, I think it's, it's very important to understand that India is so much more than everything that you just said. Yes, there are still some cows roaming around in the, <laughs> cows roaming around in the streets, uh, but it's also... I mean, most people have a, in Norway have a, they have a connection with VIPS. Uh, VIPS was engineered by Indians. And uh, Tata, they have Tata Consulting Services. They have, a, I don't know, a couple of hundred Indians sitting here in Oslo right now. Uh, but most of the work was done in India. Uh, and if you look at uh, um, the major oil explorations that have been done in the North Sea and uh, a lot of the engineering work, is done from Arca Solutions company um, office in Mumbai. So they're collaborating with the Norwegian engineers every day. Uh, and uh, I, I think that you know most Norwegians they know the name of every every state in the U.S., but they don't know the name of any of the states in India. Uh, and with the role that India is going to play in the future, that's going to have to change. Otherwise, uh, we're going to miss out on some very important opportunities. And India has a growth rate of north of 8% per year. Uh, so that just says something about the massive uh, opportunities there. And, you know, like uh, when we talked to Reliance, they said, well, we've doubled the size of the company every five, six years. That's the scale of the opportunity that you can find there. So I think Norwegian companies have a lot to offer. But... Also, we have a lot to gain from collaborating, both in India, but also in Norway. So it's, it's not a one-sided thing. It's, it's both. Like I was just said with VIPS, I mean, we're using it here. It was developed in India. Uh, on the same note, uh, technology that is developed here can be used in India. Now, for instance, we have a company based in Oski, Kombi, uh, which is a wastewater treatment company. Uh, they are now bidding for a huge tender on wastewater treatments in Delhi, uh, as many of uh, as as one of of several companies. So, there are some huge opportunities. I'm so happy that you have um, highlighted highlighted them all, and you've added a lot of knowledge and a lot of facts during our conversation here, Nikolai. My last question to you is: Any other takeaways or new takeaways you have from India that you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, well, you know, uh, I think you have to go there for yourself and experience it. And the Indian culture, Indian food, uh, the f 
friendliness of the people. I mean, people are just so open and friendly all over the place. Uh, so it's really a pleasant uh, place to go. And um, I've only been to Delhi, Mumbai, and Goa. Uh, and Goa was the first for me this time. But the beaches in Goa are beautiful. So a lot to experience, a lot to see. And, um, uh, you know, you, you have to go for yourself. Okay, so then I expect next year that the Standing Committee of Environment of the Norwegian Parliament will go for holidays to Goa. <laughs> Maybe some will, yes. <laughs> Maybe some will. Thank you so much, Nikolai, for joining us for the Modani India podcast. And I'm so happy you shared your knowledge and everything uh, you have explored while you were in India. A big thank you from the Modani India team. Thank you for having me.